Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Well, open up your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 11. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the common inclusion, the common inclusion. And uh, we've been studying the book of Acts and walking through the book of Acts on a Wednesday night. And uh, this evening, as I said, we're continuing with Acts chapter 11. And uh, as you may remember from last week in chapter 10, because chapter 10 and chapter 11 kind of go together. Last week from chapter 10, this high-ranking Roman military commander named Cornelius was a faithful man. He lived in Caesarea, a port city. Uh, for the Roman Empire in the, in, in, in the land of Israel, right there on the Mediterranean. Uh, this man named Cornelius was not a Jew. He was a Gentile Roman commander of, of, of a hundred men in this uh, regiment uh, of Roman soldiers. And uh, he received an angelic visitation. I mean, uh, this, this angel showed up to him and said, Cornelius, I want you to send some men down to Joppa. And uh, I, I, I want you to summon and bring back a man named Peter. You're going to find him in this particular house right there on the seashore. Bring him back. He's going to tell you how you and your family can be saved. Wow. Now, note that the angel didn't tell him how to get saved. Why? Well, we find all throughout the New Testament that angels, every time, they point to someone else because it's your privilege and my privilege to lead people to Christ. And for whatever reason God has chosen, here we see this angel with Cornelius not telling him how to be born again. He didn't, you know, uh, but, but rather saying, sin for Peter. Peter will tell you. It's not that the angel didn't know. It's that God has given us that authority and that responsibility, uh, and, and along with that goes a certain anointing. And so, uh, uh, Cornelius sent three of his servants down the seashore, down the coast, about 30 miles. Well, since it was against the Jewish law for Jews to enter into the house or to sit down and eat with a Gentile. Gentiles were considered to be polluted, unclean, not kosher. And to eat in their house was forbidden because their plates weren't clean, because their pots and pans weren't clean, because Jewish law demanded that if anything that was dairy touched anything in that house, then nothing that was meat could be in the same plate or in the same dish or in the same bowl or the same fork. Or any, and, and, and the whole house just had things in it that, that, that you know, Gentiles, or you just didn't go into their house and you did not ever sit down and eat with them, even in public, even in, you know, you just didn't. It was, it was against the Jewish law. Since it was against the Jewish law, and the Jewish law, by the way, was not just some, some you know, ritual thought. We're talking about it was backed up by getting you arrested and put in jail, beaten, stoned. It wasn't just, you know, well, that's what the law says. No, that's what the law says, and you will be punished if you do. It was not just, you can just, you know, that's the law. I don't follow the law. Does that make sense? Because when we read that it was against the Jewish law, 
You know, that was a big, big, big deal. So since it was against the Jewish law for these things to happen, God knew that he needed to prepare Peter to go with these Gentiles and to basically spend some time with them. So God gave, you know, uh, Peter rather, not Paul. God gave Peter this, this vision. And as a result of this vision, God told him, he said, listen, now there's some Gentiles that are coming and they're even at the door now. Now you go down and you go with them. You go down, go with them, doubting nothing because I'm the one that sent them. You know, don't doubt. Go with them, doubting nothing. Well, uh, this, this Greek word here in this particular verse in, in, in chapter 10 for the word doubting, it's a Greek word, diakrino. And this particular word for doubt means a lot of things. It's used a lot of times, but basically it speaks of the doubt that causes us to hesitate. Okay? Don't hesitate. It, it also means to discriminate. Don't discriminate. Don't begin to parse this out and begin to say some of it might be, some of it not, might not be, and, 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 and decide you'll take a little of it and not take a little. You know, I'm telling you to get, get, all, get all in here. It also means to prejudge or to be prejudiced. Don't be prejudiced. That's what he's telling him. Don't hesitate. Don't discriminate. Don't be prejudiced. It means that this word diachrono means to oppose. It means to be against it. It means to separate. Don't separate yourself from them. Don't, 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 don't separate. It means to contend. Don't argue with them. Don't, I'm not sending you with them for you to try to argue and fuss with them and, and, and contend with them. Okay? I mean, you already know that you believe different things. They're Gentiles and you're, you're, you're a, a, a Messianic you know, Jew that believes in Jesus. And, and, but, but I'm not sending you with them. I'm, I'm not putting you around them so that you can argue about all the things in their life that you don't agree with. All the things in their culture, their custom, the differences. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, don't doubt. Nothing, nothing doubting. It means to be hostile towards. Don't be angry with them. Don't be hostile towards. Don't act like you're better than them. That's all locked up in this word, diachrono. It means don't desert them. Don't leave them hanging. You know, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't just, you know, take them partway on the journey and then desert them for some reason. I don't want you deserting them. Listen, I want you to get up and go down there and I want you to go with them doubting nothing because I am the one that sent them here. I sent them here. I sent them to find you. And I need you to do what I need you to do. I sent them to you for a reason. I need them to be born again. I know they're not like you. And I know that you, would have, you, you normally would be contentious with them. And you normally would oppose them. And you normally would discriminate. And you normally would already prejudge them and be prejudiced against them. And you normally would hesitate to go with them. And you would hesitate to answer them. And you would be concerned as to what they were going to do. Were they going to twist your words around? Were they going to, I mean, don't do that. Don't strive with. It means uh, strive with. Don't strive with them. Don't be adversarial. Don't withdraw. It means to withdraw from. 
doubting nothing. Get up, get down there, go with them, doubting nothing. Don't hesitate to be all in. Because I'm telling you what, Peter, I sent them here. And this is all about them. It's not about you. When God sends somebody to you or sends somebody to our church, it's all about them. It's not about us. It's not about you. Ooh, that was a good one, wasn't it? That's what we learned from that particular encounter. God said, Peter, go with them doubting nothing. Well, so Peter did. I mean, it was against Peter's, you know, best understanding, but God spoke. What's Peter to do? Peter went with him. He entered into the house of Cornelius, and, and he, uh, Cornelius had gathered his family and his friends, and, and, and Peter began his sermon. It wasn't really a good sermon. You can read it. It really was it, 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 perhaps the poor sermon I ever heard Peter preach. He did, I, you know, he may have been nervous. I don't know. He was repeating some other things he had said on Pentecost. But, I mean, you know, I mean he was trying to find his footing. Read it. I mean, I, I, I read it from a preacher's standpoint. I'm thinking, my goodness, he's having trouble putting this one together. You know, and, uh, and I mean, it's all true, and it's, you know, but, but, but it's just, you know, and finally Peter, you know, kind of, kind of cuts to the chase here. And at the end of, 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 of Peter's sermon, he basically, well, it wasn't the end, but God ended it. God interrupted him. Um, uh, you know, uh, he, he started out good. He started out by saying, you know, I perceive that God is not a respecter of persons. You know, I perceive that God accepts anybody in any generation, in any culture, any custom. He doesn't show favoritism, but in every nation, God accepts those, number one, who fear him, and number two, who do what's right. If you fear him and do what's right, God will accept you. It's what he said. And so Peter was preaching, and, and uh, uh, when he got to the punchline, he got to the, you know, near the end of his message, Peter said this. He said, uh, he said, uh, he said, everyone who believes in Jesus will have their sins forgiven through his name. You can read about it in Acts 10. Boy, that's all it took. Because Cornelius and his family and his friends are sitting there, and, and you know, the angel said, he's going to come and tell you how to be saved. And now Cornelius heard this. Everyone who believes in Jesus will receive forgiveness of sins through his name. And Cornelius, that must have made sense to Cornelius. All of a sudden it became clear and plain. Whoa, all I got to do is believe in Jesus to get this thing, you know, kick-started. And he must have believed right there. And the people that were with him must have heard the same thing. Because all of a sudden, right there is when God interrupted Peter's sermon and filled everybody with the Holy Ghost. And then they were all, you know, while Peter yet spoke these things, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak in tongues. They began to praise God. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And then they were water baptized in the name of Jesus. And, 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 and then Peter and those six Jews that came with him, seeing all this stuff, they said, my goodness. Same thing happened to them that happened to us. And so Peter stayed with them, as we understand, for several days. Well, news like this, that a leading controversial, 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 thank you, 
Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure whether there's another syllable in there or not. I, I should ask Anna, controversial, controversial, whatever. Elite, he, he, anyway, people were watching him close. Some people loved him. Some people hated him. Some people wanted to kill him. They, you know, put him in jail. They'd already done. I mean, uh, uh, Peter was a very prolific figure. He was a high power dude. He's a Jew. And all of a sudden, he's gone crazy. He's gone into the house of a Gentile, sat down and ate with them. And not only that, but he gave them Jesus, our Jewish Messiah. So much so that these people began to speak in tongues and began to praise God. And then he baptized them. Wait! He baptized them in the name of Jesus. And then he stayed with them several days teaching them how to be a Christian, a follower of Jehovah. It doesn't take long for news like that to travel. So we get to the first verse of the 11th chapter. Are you ready? New Living Translation. Soon the news reached the apostles and the other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. That means that they had embraced the word of God. They had received it as though it was a gift given to them and they received it so it was theirs. I mean, that, that's the kind of receiving that happened here. It doesn't mean they received it and that they agreed with it. It means they received it as though they took it and it was now theirs. Wait a second. The apostles and the believers in Jerusalem heard that Gentiles had received the word of God. When Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. They contended with him, another translation says. You know, they began to argue with him and get on to him and fuss with him, complain to him. Another translation says they complained. You, Peter, you're supposed to be one of our star athletes. I mean, you're an apostle. You walked with Jesus for years. What are you doing? You went into the home of a Gentile? And you even ate with them? Oh my goodness, what is this coming to? Well, it is sad, but it is human nature that we contend with as they did in that day and we have in every generation since. That people are often more aggressive and therefore more engaged, more animated about the things they don't like in church. And about Jesus and about other Christians than they are about the things they do like. It's human nature. Now, I'm not getting on to us tonight, but this is written for our admonition. That we might understand that even there, the apostles in the church at Jerusalem, people like, uh, you know, Matthew and Nathaniel and John and, you know, people like that, 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 that and, and the believers, that, that they were displeased 
They were against this. They were displeased about what had happened in Caesarea. And they verbalized their displeasure. And they complained and they got on to Peter. Because he had went into that Gentile house and those Gentiles now had the Word of God. They now had the Holy Spirit. They now had been baptized in the name of Jesus. They're now one of us. You made them one of us. Now, now let's back up here just a little bit. Get up, Peter. Go down. And I want you to go with them. Don't hesitate. Don't oppose. Don't contend. Don't separate. Don't withdraw. Don't desert. Don't be prejudiced. Don't, don't, uh, don't argue with them. Because I have sent them. Do you know how many people God sends somewhere to someone? And that one won't receive them because they're not like me. You're not the right age, stage, the right economic you know, level. You're not the right color. You're not the right custom. You're not the right, you know, condition of life. I don't want you to be one of us. Whoo, this is good stuff. And here, 2,000 years ago, it was happening right there. And God decided he would write this in his word so that we could understand that if someone from a different religion that serves a different God that has a different lifestyle that is from a different nationality that speaks a different language walks through those doors, we are supposed to assume God sent them. It's not about us. It's about them coming to know the one that we know. <laughs> oh, if somebody comes in here, they have to listen to me preach. That's not a bad deal. As long as we're preaching the love of Christ and the common inclusion that what God has cleansed, let no man call common, unclean, polluted, the Greek word koinos. Don't you see? Because God has cleansed every person through the blood of Christ, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. It is a sad day when they do not get born again and accept the reconciliation and, and embrace the salvation which only comes by faith in Jesus Christ, only comes by an act of sincere application, believing on and receiving the blood-bought forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Christ, but everyone is a candidate. Yeah. 
There is no one that God will not reach out to. There is no one that God will not call. No one that God will not send to hear the message of the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus. These apostles and these believers were wrongly focused on adherence to a system that they had adopted to a set of beliefs that they had brought with them from their former life and they had brought it into the church. Their former life happened to be a life of serving the law of Moses. And they brought their former beliefs and the former system. Mine happened to be a life of serving the devil. Who were you serving before you came to Christ? How many of your beliefs, how many of your prejudices, how many of your hesitations, how many of your contentions did you bring with you from a former life into the church with you? What kind of system have we set up in our church in the 21st century body of Christ? And when I say our church, I'm not talking about this congregation. But in the church and the generation that we serve, how many are leftovers from former prejudices, from former contentions, from former separations? How many are seeking People walking through the doors that are like us. Exclusion from salvation is a doctrine that only exists in the minds of men. Excluding people from salvation without respect to what they have done Without respect to what they are doing, Jesus can save them just like they are right where they are, right where they are. Boom, he can save them right there, just like he did the Apostle Paul that was on his way with papers to take people to prison who were serving Christ. Boom, right there. God didn't make him change, didn't make him swear on a stack of Bibles. He took him like he was, where he was. And because Jesus came into his heart and into his life, he became a changed man. It took him three years on the backside of an Arabian desert learning how to embrace the Christ that had accepted him. It took me a lot of time. Thank God for those precious saints in my life that gave me a little time and a little attention to grow in Christ. We all bring a lot of things with us from where we came. And it's a process of getting some of these things weeded out. Amen? Everything in the gospel is a message of Christ, including people, whosoever will. We cannot set ourselves up to be the judges of other men's souls. 
when we are called upon or allowed the privilege or when we seize the moment to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm proclaiming the gospel of Christ tonight. I've done this here and like you, I've done it in the streets. I've, I've gone door to door and knocked on doors and, and witnessed all day, you know, uh, you know, months at a time. You know, when I lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico, every Saturday morning I made it a habit in Saturday mornings to get up and spend the first four hours of my morning going from door to door, knocking on doors and saying, excuse me, have you ever come to the place in your life where you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? You know God has a plan for your life. He loves you and he would like to you know, uh, come into your heart if you'd give him a chance. Woo! You know, I've had a lot of doors shut. I've been run off from a few places. Uh, I've gone to university campuses, just hopped up on the park bench and start preaching. You know, Jeff's gone with me. You, Louisiana Tech University, jump up on the park bench and just play the guitar, Grambling State University. Grambling State is a black university. I'm a white boy. I'm not just a white boy. I wear cowboy boots. And at that time, shirts with snaps on them. And I had a belt buckle, had a bull on it because I was a bull rider. My name written on the back of it, Ronnie. I remember... I don't know if Jeff was with me that day, but I remember going to Grambling State University. Why? Because I wanted to preach the Word of God. I wanted to see people saved. You know, I wanted to teach some young men how to witness. I wanted to teach them that, you know, you can be a minister anywhere you are. If you can't work your ministry where you are, you probably don't have a ministry. You call to preach, get your Bible and get out there and get after it. Don't wait for somebody to put you up here in a pulpit. Somebody say, I'm called to preach. I don't see you preaching. You must not be. I'd find me places to preach everywhere. I, I hopped up on a park bench over in Grambling State, and I grabbed my guitar, and I hit a C chord. Boy, I am country when I do that. I want you to know. And the only song that come into my mind, I mean, I went blank because there were students staring everywhere. I'm talking about they're looking out of the, uh, the student center and, uh, uh, and, they're, and they're gathering. And, and it's about lunchtime, evidently. And there's just, you know, and, and, and I'm sticking out because I'm white and I'm up on a park bench. I think I had a yellow shirt on and, I, and, uh, and, and, my, and, my, and my boots and I wang. And I sound country when I sing. And all I could think of is a song, Know Ye Not, Know Ye Not, Ye Are the Temple. Amen. I'm going to sing this in King James. <laughs> know ye not, know ye not, ye are the temple. Do, 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 do. Know ye not, know ye not, ye are the temple. Do, 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 do. Oh. I was so embarrassed to be there with me. I'm thinking, can't this idiot get anything better than that going? I'm at a black university with educated people who probably are not country. I remember, must have been a football player, looked like a mountain, walked by me. He was, I was up on a, up on a, a bench on a table 
a, a concrete table. And he was eyeball to eyeball with me. <laughs> I thought, okay, something got to break. Something got to give. I got to do something. I don't know what, but somebody got to, you know, get me out of this. Knock me out or take me out. Do something. Help me, Lord Jesus. I stopped and I just put my hand on him as he's walking by. And when I put my hand on him to stop him because it was the sidewalk, it was the thoroughfare, he looked up at me like, I thought, oh, he didn't want to be stopped. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? He looked around and you could have, you know, I mean, everybody's listening by now. And I'm thinking, okay, he is just about to clean my plow here and I deserve it. I mean, I, I was looking for somebody to give me a good beating. But, uh, he said, yes, I do. I said, then make sure you bring him to school with you. He wants to be here with you. Yes, sir. Boy, after that, let me tell you, we started having Bible studies there. I got invited to teach the faculty and to lecture, grambling. I got to be able, you know, that we started reaching out. You want to preach? You called to preach? Well, are you called to preach? Okay, let's see. Let me tell you, but every time you get a chance, whether it's right here, people say, well, it must be easy for you because you got this big church. Let me tell you how I got this big church. Hello? Wasn't always this way. Okay. You got to kind of put your hand to the plow. Not look back. Keep going. But when we were called upon, somebody asked us like they did Peter, or we were allowed the privilege of giving a testimony or sharing a word at a, at a family gathering or, 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 or you know, at a Sunday school class, or, or, or we seized some moment on a park bench, or knocking door to door, or, or witnessing at a, at a restaurant. Whenever we seize a moment and, and we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether it's to one person or whether it's to a thousand people, it is between God and those souls individually what they take away from there. Some of them, some of them will leave there informed. Some of them will leave there reformed. They will decide to, to change. Some of them will just get some knowledge that Jesus is a good guy. You'll plant a seed. And, and some of them will actually, you know, change their life and change their mind a little bit because they know Jesus. They've been born again. And you've encouraged them to, to change their life and to, and, and to do something different. And some of them, some of them will be gloriously transformed. And they will get born again. But you've got to leave that between them and God. God sends people that need Jesus to people who will tell them about Jesus without hesitation, without contention, without prejudice, without deserting them halfway through, without separation. But we'll just go ahead and say that Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. And what you do with it is up to you. 
but I shall not cease to declare the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because he will save one and he will save all. He will save you in your deepest, darkest day. He will help you no matter who you are, where you are, what you've done, where we find you in jail or we find you, you know, uh, in, in the Taj Mahal. We find you, you know, serving some other God. We find you, you know, living in some sin or we find you confused and lonely, hurting, or we find you on your best day God will save your soul and if we will give people a chance to hear the good news of Jesus Christ don't assume that they don't want to know they may need to be informed they may need to be reformed but they may need to be transformed God knows don't hesitate don't discriminate don't prejudge don't say no to eternity for somebody else because you've already decided those people in my office don't want to hear. Those people on the school grounds don't want to hear it. My friends don't want to hear it. Don't prejudge somebody and say no to Jesus for them. Amen? Amen. Amen. Tell them God loves them right where they are. My goodness, I love the church. I, I, I got to do this before I... Uh, before we move uh, from here. I love the church. And this is a picture of the church. The church of the living God is wonderful. It's forgiving. It's grace-filled. It's loving. It's kind. Do you know whenever these apostles and, and these believers said, what did you do that for? And began complaining and been criticizing. Do you know what Peter did? Peter said, well, let me tell you what happened. Man, this guy had received an angel, an angel and he told him to come get me and then God spoke to me and told me to go with them and I went with them and when I got there I started telling them about Jesus and God filled them with the Holy Ghost and these six men were with me and we are testimony to the fact that the same thing that happened to us happened to them who was I that I could forbid water that these should not be baptized who had received the gift of the Holy Spirit just like we did on the day of Pentecost Pentecost. And do you know what those apostles and believers in the church in Jerusalem said? They said, well, oh my goodness. Wow. Look, Acts 10 verse 18. When the others heard this, they stopped objecting. <laughs> oh, wow. I love the church. They stopped objecting. They stopped complaining. They stopped criticizing. They stopped objecting and they began praising the Lord that God would save even these crumbs even even these crumbs from the master's table that's what Jesus said Crumb, that God would even save the Gentiles my goodness we should praise especially we should praise God every time and we should just you know every time a Cajun gets saved we should be ecstatic When we can see, he said, why should we keep complaining? We need to praise God, they said. We can see that God, only God can save and give the Holy Ghost. We can see that God has given these Gentiles 
the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. People, let's, let's decide tonight. Let's make sure that we're the kind of church that we don't doubt their salvation when they come to Christ. That we don't object to their inclusion, whoever they are, wherever they're coming from, whatever they look like, whatever they've done. And that we instead praise God for their transformation. Amen? It may take a little while.